Hey, this is JJ Redick. You may know me as a basketball player. You may have seen me play during my college career at Duke University, or perhaps over the past decade playing in the NBA for the Magic, the Bucks, the Clippers, or the Sixers. Well, today I'm here to tell you about my new show, the JJ Redick Podcast on the Ringer Podcast Network. This is where you can find me interviewing athletes like my current teammate, Joel Embiid, as well as in-depth conversations with celebrities like the Late Late Show host, James Corden. The very first episode goes live later this week, so make sure to subscribe to the JJ Reddick Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. NBA show. I'm Chris Vernon. Joining me as he does every Tuesday from the ringer.com is Kevin O'Connor, aka Kevin O'Connor, aka Kevin O'Comment, aka Kevin O'Bomber is coming after me. <laughs> Berno, you sound a little down today. The Obamer is coming after me. <laughs> All right. So yesterday, NBA news hit right where I am on a regular basis mm. with the Memphis Grizzlies firing David Fisdale. When you saw the news, I want to know, what was your initial reaction? Well, it was like on Sunday night after Gasol said the things that he did. I tweeted you like, blow it up, question mark, or something like that. <laughs> and it started that big discussion. But so when, when the news broke, it was shocking because... It wasn't necessarily anything I was expecting that soon, but at the same time, it was like, whoa, they are definitely siding with the player here, right? So that was really my first reaction where it's like, they're choosing Gasol um, over Fizdale, and they're choosing to try to keep their star player happy. So in that sense, it's like, it seems to me that they want to move forward. How do you feel about that, Chris? I mean, it's an interesting situation. I know them both. I like them both, but I also was well aware that 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 relationship had gone sideways and the other night was a culmination of that right once you see those headlines yeah. everywhere and like when when somebody says there were a couple things when Marcus all said the other night one of his first comments was okay so all right let me let me let me let me rewind i'm at the game so the grizzlies are in this uh in this in this tight game with the the brooklyn nets and they got down big coming out of the second half. They're tied in the first half. They're down big in the third quarter. They fight back. And now we're kind of getting towards winning time, right? The fourth quarter. Gasol gets up like it's time to check in, then sits right back down. Okay. The coach isn't checking him in. Later, it's even like now more towards the end of the game. He gets up and he walks down to the scorer's table as to check in. And then he is directed back to the bench, at which point he turns to the bench and does the like, you know, hands in the air, like, I don't know, you tell me, right? And goes and he sits back down on the bench. And I was sitting by somebody at the game and I turned to him and I said, oh, no, oh, no, because that was the moment where he told him to go back on the bench. And I was like, let's just wait and see what happens in the post game." And Gasol is in the, he's usually about two minutes is how much he talks. That's quick. In the, and he's very smart, very measured guy, but he usually talks, you know, briefly. He talked and he kept on and, you know, PR director says, all right, guys, enough, you know, as how it is in a locker room. Gasol says, no, yeah. I want to keep on talking. 
takes a bunch more questions. They come back in. All right, guys, you know, last question, whatever. And Mark's like, no, I want to keep talking. So then throughout all of those comments, you know, was parsed what most people could probably have read the other night. But there were two things that stood out to me that made me freak out that like, all right, this is not this is not okay. The first one was he said they wouldn't have done that to Mike. Right. As if to say Mm. this isn't about being held accountable. Like he didn't take it as I'm being held accountable and I've got a problem with being held accountable. It was they wouldn't have done this to Mike Conley. So I've been here for a long time. They benched me. They wouldn't have done this to Conley, no matter how he was playing. And so there was clearly this inner belief that everybody doesn't get held accountable, right? You can say you're trying to hold your best player accountable to send a message to the rest of the players, except clearly Mark didn't believe that that would have been the case if it were somebody other than him. And then he went on to say, they knew that taking away my playing time would hurt me. And that's why they did it. And at that point, it's a realization like he's taking this personally, like he's hurt. So anyways, you fast forward, they're done with the game. And then yesterday comes. And of course, my as I'm talking locally, I'm saying, listen, you got to just get these two guys in a room. You got to get them on the same page, especially now that Conley's out. It's shining a big light on their relationship. And they've clearly got to be in lockstep and arm in arm. You know, if they're going to be able to scratch and claw until Mike Conley can get back on the court. And then the news came and I was stunned. I, I was shocked. And it was a recognition that this was not going to work, that these two people could not coexist. Mm-hmm. And they lost eight games in a row. It's more than that. I mean, the last 40 regular season games, they were 14 and 26. Um, I believe it was the record of the last 40 regular season games. And Gasol had turned in. And their relationship wasn't great then, right? Not Well, see, there was one moment last year, and I've talked about it before, but, you know, again, it's not like Memphis gets a lot of coverage. But do you remember the uh, take that for data thing? Yeah. There's like the big course. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> classic moment. Everybody, everybody in the NBA knows. Okay. So here's a little backstory on that. So the take that for data thing happens in San Antonio after game two. They're not going to rook us. And so Memphis is in a fever pitch. There's Fizdale shirts being sold. Everybody's like, hell yeah, you know, they us and now we're going to show San Antonio who's boss and blah, blah, blah. And all the players are all jacked up after that. They're like, the plane didn't even feel like we had just lost. We're just ready to go for game three because coach has our back and yada, 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 right? Go into the shoot around that day. Mike Conley's like, we told Fizdale we're paying for his fine. That's not coming out of his pocket. We're paying it, the players. And so, uh, anyway, and everybody's kind of talking about it. Zebo's talking about it. They're all, they're all talking about it. The take that for data. It is the biggest story in sports. It's leading around the horn. It's leading PTI. It's, it's everywhere. Rachel Nichols is talking about it on her show. She's wearing a Fizdale shirt the whole nine. So anyways, everybody walks <laughs> over to Gasol and asks him about it. And ask him what they thought, what he thought about Fizdale's, you know, rant. And you know what he says? What did he say? I didn't see it. Wow. He said, I didn't see it. Wow. We're like, shut, we're like, shut up, man. Like, and hey, this is in the middle of the playoffs. He said, I didn't see it. We're like, what are you talking about? Like, 
he absolutely like dude he's on the team it's all anybody is talking about in sports and he's on the team but instead of talking about it at all he just said i didn't see it and that's when i was like the hell's going on here because at the beginning of the season, there was all these gifs and everything. These, wow. uh, you know, <laughs> Conor McGregor and, you know, he's doing the Conor McGregor walk and he's jumping around like he's doing this Johnny Cash thing with a guitar and he's slapping his ass. And he's like, he was number one in peak form. And number two, he was like bouncing around the gym and all this stuff. And then somewhere in the middle of that season, towards the end of that season, something happened. And that guy was vanished and then that happened in the playoffs and i was like what the hell so now you get to this season it's kind of like all right new lease on life and he see he's like best buddies with conley so even if he isn't great with the coach he's still gonna play for mike you know what i mean like they're still guys and he's not gonna let everybody else down sure and he's not gonna be some malcontent necessarily because his guys on his you know his best buddies on the team well, Conley gets injured, and now all of a sudden the spotlight is on them. And, you, I mean, you saw it come to a head. He benched him. He popped off. And I, I suppose they've tried to get him in a room before, but it just wasn't going to take. Like they, It's egos, man. Did you see what Gosol said this summer with like how the Spanish national team you know, was like a family? Um, kind of, he said it was a lot different than Memphis. The, the thing that I can't figure out and like, uh, maybe, maybe you have an idea on this or not, but like, what exactly was it? Cause like you said, the beginning of the last season, he was awesome. I mean, he was clear. I mean, he was, it seemed like he was loving the situation and then just something changed all of a sudden. It was just something with, um, Fizdale or was it just something with the team overall? I, I don't know. It just seems to me like it has to be more than just Fizdale. No, I mean, that's why they made this move. It's him and Fizz. Fizz is a kind of a no nonsense. <laughs> I don't give a shit what you think kind of guy. He may dog cuss you. Yeah. He may try to, he may try yeah, to embarrass you and dress you down and this kind of stuff. And he, these guys come from different worlds. I mean, Marcus saw a private school kid with two doctors as parents, right? Like he, he probably hasn't been humiliated in front of people before and so his tact is not to say oh well i'll show you and i'm gonna go play my ass off his tact is to be nobody talks to me that way i don't respect you you know what i mean Hmm. and and people can people could say well then you're a wussy or you're a whatever but i'm just saying like it it didn't take and then you know what happens is both guys just say f you no f you you know what i mean like like like, what are you talking about i'm just back and and, forth and, and and he takes things personally clearly Right. Oh, for sure. There's no doubt about that. And I do think that's a job of a coach. You got to know what buttons to push with players when you're a coach. You really do. And you got to know. I remember Hubie Brown told me a hundred years ago, you better identify in that locker room and on that court who the guys you need on your side. And it's done in many a coach over the years. You know what I mean? That's a big point you're hitting on there, Chris. You know, and I think that's something that can go overlooked a lot of times is because all these players are just people too. And, and, you know, I I used to work at a sports psychology company called sports aptitude where like with our player profiles, we had psychological profiles of players, you know, one of the, the things that was useful, you know, in some ways, like for example, if there were a team and they needed to know maybe 
how to handle a player, like the type of personality that player had, because it's important to understand that every player needs different types of treatment from the coach. I mean, one way doesn't work for everybody, right? So like, I remember Greg Popovich said, in one of the Spurs documentaries, it might have been something on NBA TV. Oh, no, no. It was when Tim Duncan's jersey was retired. And Popovich said, like, I, I'm thankful that you let me coach you because it set an example for everybody else, right? That worked for Duncan, but it's not going to work for every star player out there. It worked for Tim, but not for everybody else. So for someone like Gasol, you're right. Like, you can, you can knock Mark Gasol if you want for not being able to take it. But at the same time, everybody's a different. And, and maybe... For the Grizzlies, Fizdale just hadn't really got that yet. Or maybe it could go the other way. Maybe you can blame Gasol if you want to. Maybe maybe Fizdale should be able to coach the way he want to play. I don't know. I mean, it, I'm not it's, taking I'm not taking a side as much as I'm I'm just telling people the reality of the situation. And for sure, when I when I say you, I mean like the I mean like the listeners more so. They're like all yeah. kinds of different. Like it's the same as being a teacher. There are some kids that will not respond unless you mf them because that's what they're used to. You know what I mean? Yeah. I've, I've, yeah. Seen, I've been around guys in the NBA. You know what I mean? Like, there ain't nothing you could have said to Zebo or Tony <laughs> or any of them, like Tony Allen or Zach Randolph or some of these guys that, like, the, that have, that have played here. You, you could have MF'd and dog cussed them up and down. And I mean, like, that's common to, the, like, that's, that's how they grew up. You know what I mean? Whereas. <laughs> For sure. Marcus all didn't grow yeah. up like that. Like I said, a private school kid with, the, you know, two doctors as parents. Mm-hmm. To him, it's like, you don't talk to me. That, like, that's not how you motivate a man like that, right? And some people, that's their mode of operation. There's some guys that can't play for Bobby Knight. You know what I mean? They don't want to get MF'd up and down all the time. They don't want to get. Well, I had Bobby Knight as a little league coach. Well, not it wasn't Bobby Knight, but a guy sure as hell channeled Bobby Knight. And it worked for some kids, but not for me and not for See, others. I covered Calipari <laughs> when, he was a, uh, when he was a college coach. And he had a bunch of kids that were from, like, if you went to their neighborhoods, you wouldn't be comfortable. I mean, and these kids admittedly were they they grew up in some really rough places you're talking camden new jersey and detroit and wherever right and i mean the way he would talk to he, the way he would talk cuss people and stuff and whatever but on the same level like say like the coach after him was like josh pastner and he was more like the golly g willikers type and those kids the the, the rough one they they just roll their eyes and run all over him they, it's weird. It's a hard balance because they don't respect you being the, the non cursor and say, gosh darn it, like that kind of stuff. They just roll their eyes at that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But if you well, get like, like Brad Stevens put, putting a dollar in the swear jar. I know. Yeah. But if you jump up in their face <laughs> yeah. and call them a worthless MF, like they may, yeah. they may go run through a yeah. wall. You know what I mean? For you. <laughs> like it's crazy. <laughs> you just never know which buttons to push. And that thing got sideways and everybody had too big of an ego to just say, hey, you know, we got to be on the same page here. It sucks. It sucks because Fizzle's a good guy. He is. I, I, I believe that. Oh, Fizzle seems awesome. Yeah. And it's, that's the scary part. It's like they had a, a good coach. It's hard to find a good coach in the league, right? It's really hard. There's not a lot of great coaches, never mind good coaches either. So it's like this, this to me, like this is kind of. You know, touched on what I wrote about today. It's like this could get worse, and that—that's the scary part for Memphis. Well, all right. So now we need to fast forward to your—you bring the—you're trying to bring the Kevin Obama to me. 
So the coach is gone. They replaced him with JB Bickerstaff. Poor JB. Poor JB had to take over the friggin' <laughs> Rockets with Dwight and James. And now, yeah. you know, and now he's yeah. got to now he's got to take over the Grizzlies while Mike Conley's out. Oh man, so it's rough. You wrote about the Grizzlies, and you wrote about how, oh, surprisingly, your answer is to blow everything up as usual. <laughs> all right, <laughs> blow it up. Okay. Let me. All right, just hear okay. me out. All right, let's get serious right, now. Just hear yeah, me okay, out. Okay, I want to hear it. The Grizzlies before Mike Conley like really got hurt, right? Before he really got hurt, they had started off the season extremely well, and they were seven and four after they had gotten a win at Portland. And they have now lost since that moment eight games in a row, putting their record at seven and 12. And I would contend at seven and four on pace to win 48 games. There was nobody saying they should blow it up. Their roster's not good enough. They should move on. Instead, it was they got a hell of a bargain in Tyreek Evans. Chandler Parsons is starting to look good. They've got the best bench unit in the NBA right now. Right now, They had beaten the Rockets twice. They had beaten the Warriors once in those games. And so I suppose you can back up the truck and say, okay, well, it doesn't matter that Mike Conley got hurt, but they lost six straight games. They have not won a game since Mike Conley went down. And obviously, they just got rid of their coach. If Mike Conley doesn't go down, I would contend they're not bad. And they're not even close to bad. And they competed with the best teams in the NBA. And so the idea that, okay, so Mike Conley got hurt. They lost a bunch of games in a row. They're now, I believe, one and a half games out of the playoffs. And I don't know how many games they'll win over the next couple weeks. Their schedule's rough. But there's nobody that would have said that when they're on pace to win 48 games. And in fact, they did revamp their whole roster. The only things they got left that are like mainstays are Mike Conley and Mark Gasol. And so the idea that like, oh, we'll just get rid of one of them. Like, for what? For what? Like, what is that? Like, you got the... They're not an old team. I think there's like eight teams in the NBA or nine teams that are older than them. They did revamp their roster. They did let go of their veterans. To your point about their seven and four start, Chris, like, you know, you're right. Like the start they got off to was awesome. Right. And I, I when I say blow it up, it's, you still got to wait for Mike Conley to get back. I mean, there's, there's no blowing anything up. You know, if one of your players is out hurt, right? I, I think I think you need to at least see how things go. I, but uh, really, my concern is, what if they get end up getting worse? Like, what if what if Bickerstaff is just awful and Gasol it continues to be unhappy? And Gasol, what if it gets to the point where he basically he requests a trade? I, I'm not. It might not get to that point. But if it does get to that point, I think maybe it's at least something you got to think about because you're right. What are you going to get? I mean, I don't know what you're going to get for Gasol. So it's the type of thing where if one of your two best players wants out of a situation that you're right, it isn't at the bottom of the league. Like they are not the worst situation right now by any means, right? Like they can still contend for that six, seven or eight seed in the West. Like that's, that's fine. I mean, that that's fun, right? But what if what if one of those players within that situation, which which isn't so bad, thinks it's horrible and he wants out? Like then then I think maybe you're you're against the wall where it's like, well maybe maybe that is the best path forward for us. 
I would say if they were bad with Mike Conley and Marc Gasol, then it's got to, then yes, everything has to be on the table, but they're not. And they weren't and they aren't going to be. They've never been bad when they're healthy ever. It's never happened. You could put me, you, and Isaac, our producer, on the court with Mike Conley and Marcus Gasol, and you're going to win a couple. <laughs> you're going to win some games, you know. And that's uh, I don't know. I don't know. Oh, and you know, I can shoot some drives, threes, man. What drives me crazy is the whole like, you know, this comes up, and I don't want to. I don't want to bust you up as much as my buddy Mannix. Chris Mannix wants Gasol to the Celtics so damn bad it makes him sick. So. This is the the big market. This is all these people. This Shout what, out, Chris Mannix. Hey, this is what they write: the aging Marcus Gasol, the on the downside of his career, Marcus Gasol. <laughs> you know, listen, he gets traded to the fucking Celtics, and you know what they'll say? They'll say the multi-time All Star, Marcus Gasol, the consensus top five center in the NBA, Marcus Gasol. Marcus Gasol is so old and aging <laughs> that he is averaging 19 points he's having a like he's not having a great year and he's averaging it's averaging 19 points nine rebounds and four assists you know how many guys in the nba do that kevin four not a lot marcus Gasol, demarcus cousins russell westbrook and the greek freak Giannis. that's it four players okay. you're right i mean like a soul gets some weird treatment but the thing is i mean even if they're average, like let's say Conley comes back and Gasol is, you know, maybe he's not happy, but he's content. And they're like a 44, they're, they're on pace to win, let's just say 44, 45 games. That still doesn't change some of the points that I made in my article, which, you know, just to kind of recap through, you know, Fizdale wasn't the problem that we kind of agree with. Um, Chris Wallace has made a lot of, you know, poor decisions over the over this decade with the Grizzlies. You could you could point towards him as that that what might what might actually be one of the issues with Memphis or maybe you don't because you know what mistakes happen. They haven't had a high draft pick. They're not a free agent destination. So maybe you don't point in that direction. Well, hold on, hold on. Let me just obviously I talk about this all the time and I okay. and, and and I used to have yeah. I used to interview Chris Wallace every week and we've had blood wars over stuff. There have been a tremendous amount of mistakes that have been made, right? There have been botched draft pick after botched draft pick. Their draft record has been poor. Um, they have made some unwise decisions. The Chandler Parsons thing is looking better, but it's clearly not going to be worth what they shelled out. And they clearly got damaged goods for at least one of the seasons last year, right? Cause you kind of slandered him in there. And I saw that some places elsewhere, you know, and I know he's an easy target. He's been on a minute restriction. He's, he's been playing really well. Like he's shooting 48% from three. Hopefully you could get to the point where he's back to the big starters minutes. They've been so careful because of three knee surgeries, but he has been good and a, an extremely valuable player, uh, for them this year. Anyways, that's a, I, if we, if we counted out. Okay, it you still cost over yes, twenty million dollars for nineteen minutes per hundred percent. A hundred I'm with you. Hundred percent. And there have been other errors. And, and no guarantees at last either because of his injury proneness, which is scary. He is the source of grand conflict. Uh, Chris Wallace and, and the front office for that matter. Because yes, there are all those mistakes. He also and you mentioned this, he nailed Conley, he nailed Gasol, he nailed Zebo when nobody believed in that. And he nailed Tony Allen becoming a starter slash maybe best perimeter defender in the NBA. And all of the four guys were around for seven straight playoff years. 
and their names and numbers will all be in the rafters. They they have For sure. San Antonio has made the playoffs twenty straight years. Atlanta, which their streak will end this year, has been there ten, and the Grizzlies are next with seven. And so, it is not common to have an, a winning product that goes to the playoffs, has a crack at it, um, has had wars with the Chris Paul Clippers and the Oklahoma City with uh, Kevin Durant and Westbrook and all these different kinds of things. They, I think they've won like 27 right. playoff games yep. or something like that. So, I mean, it's, 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 uh, it's complicated, right? On one hand, yeah, you screwed up a lot, but the big picture stuff, which is putting a, putting, no putting, putting an organization in a position to win every year. And, and you kind of will always get the, and so now he's on, he's on front street, right? Because if they don't, you don't have Tony and Zach anymore, right? The core four is no longer in Memphis. And so now it's going to shine a light on how you filled out the rest of that roster. And if it's, you know, you kind of just said, we think they're getting their ass kicked because of the coach. Okay. Well, now you don't. That's your last bullet, right? Like, it's either the coach or the roster, so they better hope they win. No doubt, Chris. We're on the same page with Chris Wallace. Like, I think terrible, terrible mistakes were made, but at the same time, it's really, really hard to be an NBA general manager, and he made a lot of good decisions, too. So, so like, whether whether the GM moving forward is Chris Wallace or it's somebody else or whether it's John Hollinger or Sam Hinkie or some guy off the streets, like, no matter who it is, Really, my my concern, my focus is what is the next step? What is the direction? Because at some point, at some point, they're gonna have to rebuild. Everybody, at some point, it's gonna have to happen. Everybody has Over the to. next three ish years or whatever it is. This season, twenty eighteen nineteen and twenty nineteen twenty, Conley. Parsons and Gasol are all on the books for over $80 million each season. Gasol's 33 in two months. Conley will be 33 when his contract is up in 2020. That's not, that's the first year they'll have cap space. They don't have a lot of young talent on the roster right now. And so really my concern is that, okay, let me back up real quickly. The conversation we had on Sunday night with me, you, Sam Vecini, Kevin Arnovitz, a bunch of people on Twitter was there's, you can't just blow it up now or you can't rebuild now because there's so, there's so much risk. And that's true. I mean, Memphis is in a small market. Things could go really sour for that team if you were to pull the plug right now. But my thing is it could get even worse. If you wait, if you wait until 2020 when Gasol's ready to go, you know, win a championship on a league minimum contract in four years and Gasol is near uh, and Conley's near the tail end of his contract and you don't have a lot else, that's when you could be in that really, really bad spot. And that's the spot I would want to avoid if I'm Memphis. And maybe it won't be that bad at that point, but I think there's a chance it could be when right now what we know is the 2018 draft is really loaded up top. I don't want to hear about this possibly. shit. I don't uh, want to hear about this shit. You know, right. you know, but you know what? It's it's the reality. It's no, the reality. Let me, that let me explain to you would, reality. Would, here, here. Hold on. Just wait for okay. me for a second. Okay. Fine. All right. Here's reality, Kevin. And I just want to make this clear to you, okay? I just told you the Grizzlies made the made the playoffs seven straight seasons. And what I am in favor of is attempting to rebuild on the fly rather than tearing everything down and being an absolute piece of That's crap fair. because some draft is going to be good at some point. Here's the thing. There have been all kinds of drafts that have taken place. And I would tell you, 
that the Minnesota Timberwolves haven't made the playoffs in 13 seasons right. and the Kings haven't made it in 11 seasons and the Suns haven't made it in seven seasons and the Sixers haven't made it in five seasons and the Magic haven't made it in five seasons. And how about this? How about because the big thing is winning big, right? Okay. How about these teams, the last time that they won AA playoff series, the Bucks, 16 years, the Hornets, 13 years, the Kings, 13 years, the T-Wolves, 13 years, the Pelicans, nine years, the Pistons, nine years, the Nuggets, eight years. I mean, this is how long these franchises have been since they haven't won, since they've won a playoff series. So the best thing that could possibly happen to you. If you want to tank out, you want to blow it up, and you want to get the the best thing that could happen would be what? The number one draft pick, right, Kev? That would be the best, wouldn't it? These are the number one draft picks yeah, that have good. been. All right, the number one draft picks that have uh, won an NBA Finals in the last 30 years, LeBron James, Tim Duncan, Kyrie Irving, and Kyrie Irving because of LeBron James. That's the last 20 years. The last 20 years. Okay, so I don't get the number one pick. I get the number two pick. Nobody that's been drafted number two has won an NBA Finals on their team. And the same goes for number three, and the same goes for number four, and the same goes for number five, except for, well, five, Dwayne Wade in 2003 played in a Finals by the team uh, and won, and obviously with the LeBron incarnation, first with the Shaq and then with the LeBron other than that, you're talking about 20 years of guys that were selected number one, number two, number three, number four, or number five. And the only ones that have titles, the only ones are LeBron, Duncan, Kyrie, and Wade. The only ones that have even been to a finals are the three kids from Oklahoma City, Durant, Westbrook, and Harden, because Harden was taken number three, Durant number two. And Westbrook number four. So the best thing that can happen to me is I get a top five draft pick. Or maybe even the number one draft pick. Okay, maybe I'll get Duncan or LeBron. Maybe maybe that's what I'll do. Maybe I'll get Duncan or LeBron. But there's 20 years of history telling you that that doesn't, like, the cornerstone that you, like this, this whatever, this 2018 draft, and maybe you'll get the guy, like, at least for 20 years time, there have been two guys drafted because I ain't counting Kyrie as the cornerstone uh, guy that like he's the best guy on a finals team. The only ones that have at least been and won are Duncan and LeBron. So why is that a good gamble? <laughs> like, why is that a good bet? You're right. Like, there's no guarantees. There, there's no guarantees with any plan at all. I mean, you mentioned uh, one team, you know, at the beginning there, it escapes me at the moment, but someone else mentioned Orlando. Like, what if they went the path of Orlando where they get some high picks, but they don't get any good players? And you're right. I mean, that that's a conceivable outcome. You know, to that, I would counter with a lot of those teams. They didn't go all in on a tank. They were just bad. I, I'm, I'm not suggesting that. I'm not suggesting that they just be bad. I'm suggesting that they tank for two years, outright tank, um, be at the bottom of the barrel um, because I think it's for the best long term, just based on 
the fact that each individual draft needs to be assessed independently. I mean, you can compare them to each other, compare them historically, but every draft is different. So the point is really 18 and 19 have some really, 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 really great prospects in there. Whereas if you're waiting until 20, 21, 22, 23 to start your rebuild, you know what? Look, that could be work out better. I'm not saying that that it's wrong to wait this core out, to let Marcus Ole, you know, fade away and to let him go somewhere else once the contract is up. I'm not saying that's the wrong thing to do. What I'm just saying is if you do it right now, I think there's a little bit more certainty with what you have a chance to get and you give yourself more time to do it. And what I'm arguing is there is no certainty. There is no certainty. I agree. I'm not arguing that there is. That's not even part of the equation because there are no certainties. There are none in the NBA. There are, there are none in life for that matter. There are no certainties. The, the point is, is putting your franchise in the position for sustainable success because that's what they did in the first place by trading Pau Gasol. They did that 10 years ago when they traded their star player for a bunch of young guys. People hated that trade. And you know what? Maybe it was a bad trade, but I'll take Chris Wallace's word for it that he saw something in Marcus Soul. Because a lot of those international players, you know, you know what? Especially back 10 years ago, scouting with them really wasn't as good as it is today. And so I'll take his word for it that they did see something in him that perhaps other teams may not have. So, this so, kind of does get forgotten. Like Marcus Gasol was the MVP of the, I believe it's called the ACB at the time. He was the MVP. And that was at the time, the second best league in the world. So it wasn't like some kind of, you know, we're scouting some 15 year old or something, right? Like the guy was playing amongst yeah, it, men. It, it wasn't scouting Giannis. He was playing against men in a great league and was the best player. <laughs> like, I mean, I mean, it stands to reason that he, he was probably going to be pretty good at worst. <laughs> but everyone just saw his physique and saw that he was a chubby guy. And, and if he yeah, repeats history, if he trades Marcus Soul today, if he, if you wake up tomorrow morning and find out that he makes the same trade, and I tell you, you know what? That's going to guarantee the Grizzlies seven straight years of the playoffs and runs with a chance, with a chance of getting to the finals from 2000, from, from 2020 to 2027. You would take that in a heartbeat. And I'm not saying that that, that would ever happen because there, again, there are no guarantees. There are no certainties, but it's about positioning your franchise for sustainable success. That's all I care about. Sustainable success and trying to position your team to win a championship. And so I just think if you blow it up now, not, not right now, but once Conley gets back and if things aren't good, if you blow it up then and you're able to get a really good return for a guy like Conley who has a lot of years left, and if you get something solid from a, a team that's really trying to push and contend for Marcus Soul, you know what? You can bottom out for the next two years, have a young, fun team that fans can find new players to root for. Then really, maybe starting in 20, the nineteen twenty season or the 2020 2021, 2021 season, that's when you're ready to kind of make your push back towards the playoffs with your young roster. That's it. That's all. That's all I look for. I'll say this too. Being in charge, being a general manager, running a franchise is an extremely difficult task. Everybody's got misses. Very hard. Everybody screws up. Everybody, right? Like Danny, Danny yep. Ainge Everybody. used Danny Ainge, who has done a tremendous job. Once upon a time, used a high draft pick. It was the kid from Kentucky, right? That was like 
was it James Young? It was James Young, and and, yeah. and that's the thing. That's the thing. Like I, I would, I can't knock a general manager for missing on a pick after like fifteen, and that's what almost all of Memphis's picks have been. Oh well, the, well no, but well, they did screw some of those up. I know, I know, but some it, of them when were. it's a long run of them, it, it's a bad. Yeah, look. yeah, yeah. It's not. But it's not easy. Gen- generally, any any pick outside the lottery, I mean, it's largely a crapshoot for sure. It's and even in the lottery, unfortunately. But here's what I'll tell you: it also just takes a crazy amount of luck. And I say that because, okay, for sure you get credit on Marc Gasol and the whole, yeah, if you could make that deal and you could promise me that you'd be good for going forward and yada, yada, yada. Here's the thing. It's not like they sat around and identified that Marc Gasol could be an all-star slash defensive player of the year in the NBA. That didn't happen. That's why they took that friggin' bum the beat number two. If they, they already had Gasol on the roster. If they thought they had the Mark Gasol, they wouldn't have drafted the beat, but they didn't see it. They, they were about to pull a trigger and trade Mike Conley for Ramon Sessions, of which I probably at the time would have endorsed because Conley was terrible. And all I'm saying is like you watch this stuff play out over the years and some of it's just luck. Some of it's just, I'm glad we didn't do that. And I'm glad we didn't do that. Right. Because sometimes, (laughs) sometimes guys just become way different players um, as the years go on. And I'm just, I, I am so skittish, as you know, about the draft pick thing. Cause I lived it. I lived it. Right. I, 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 I hosted draft parties every year and sat in arena three straight years winning 22 games. And then hope springs eternal cause you get the high draft pick. Right. And it had the, those high draft picks had very, very little to do with anything that's happened in the last seven years. Marcus All was the result of a trade. Mike Conley was taken number four overall in a three-player draft because that was Odin, Durant, and Horford. And then he was the fourth guy. Um, and it took him five or six years to get good. And then Zach Randolph was traded for a Quentin Richardson's expiring contract because they were about to draft Blake Griffin. And Tony Allen was just a discard off a, a finals appearance Celtics team. I mean... It wasn't. It, it wasn't any of the guys they drafted. Tony it Allen is really. Uh, he he wasn't this card. Tony Allen is really good. I know. A key was a big listen, part. They of got that him team. for three million bucks. Come on. <laughs> he wasn't that valuable. Here, here's the thing, though, Chris. I'm curious about your thoughts with this. This this just came to mind with how well it worked for Memphis with what they did. You know, despite missing those picks, they pressed the reset button and they had some really garbage years and they missed on all their picks. But my thing is this, is if you nail those picks in addition to the assets that you got for that star player in Gasol, in addition for some of the smart trades you made for a guy like Randolph, signings for a guy like Tony Allen, what is your team? It's a real contender. Oh, I agree. And that, that's, agree. that's the only spot that I would want to put my team into position to be is to be a contender that can sustain success like Memphis did, but with a little bit more oomph to it. If you nail that to beat pick, and if you're taking, look, this is, again, you can't just say this in hindsight, but if you take Harden there 
or 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 a following year you take somebody else that you may have passed on just roll the dice again and then maybe this time it'll be at an even higher level and that's why that's why i'm so freaked out maybe it's just their bad draft record clearly you could have had steph curry and kevin love yeah i mean the only they, ones they traded kevin love the only for oj mayo right the only ones that nailed those drafts were was oakstein and they nailed it every time nailed it i mean they drafted three mvps <laughs> But to your point, player development is also a factor in this that we're not talking about. Yeah, there's luck in drafting the right guy. But once you get the right guy, you got to develop him. You look at the Spurs. That Yeah, they drafted Tim Duncan, but they also drafted Tony Parker and Mano Ginobili and Kawhi Leonard. And they developed those guys. They didn't let them just fall by the wayside when they were having struggles. Like Kawhi Leonard, we talk about this all the time. He had a broken jumper when he came into the league. Now he's shooting threes at a very high clip. Player development matters. OKC had a great player development staff. Isaac's right. Where there, there's there's so much more to this than than really just yeah. the players and the coach and the GM. I mean, up and down line, up from ownership down to the guys in the video room. I mean, everybody has an important role on the team, and and that's one of the things you know you know people say Memphis isn't a free agent destination, and they're not. <laughs> they're a really small market team. But guess what? San Antonio wasn't a free agent destination in the 90s either. They they made themselves into a place where players want to go and players want to play and players want to win. I'm not saying any team can do that because you need a lot of luck. You need probably 90% uh, of luck to talent um, to make that happen. But at the same time, if things break right for you, you you can make your team out to be a destination. Memphis could suddenly, six years from now, seven years from now, be the place that that star player that summer wants to play with because he there's guys there that he wants to win with. I'm just saying, like, right now they're not a destination, but but they can be in the future. Any team can be. Oh, not a destination, Kevin? Why don't you tell Tyreek Evans and Ben McLemore, who both signed over the <laughs> offseason? <laughs> you shut the hell up, Kevin. Why don't you tell those guys they're not a destination? How dare you? By the way, Ben, ben McLemore took a three in that Brooklyn game. This is the Gasol comment game. He took a three that if it didn't hit a, hit the backboard, it would have killed a fan. Like, i never seen anything like it. Oh, the guy, no. like... He missed it. I mean, it hit oh, like boy. it hit to the left of the square. Like <laughs> I've never even seen. Wasn't that. he like, supposed was to be so... a shooter coming in? Yeah, no, he was a shooter. He was supposed to be a shooter. All right. So, anyways, enough. Uh, this was a weird circumstance where today the Grizzlies were the biggest news. Um, and so I think I've got you on my side though. We ain't blowing it up until we see if they suck with Mike Conley, right? Yeah, we're on the same page, but. Really think strongly about blowing it up. I, I'd be willing to if the right offers on the table. Well, and here's the thing: Fizdale did screw up a little bit in terms of. I do think that if JB Bickerstaff just play, and I, I, bet, I bet this is probably what you know the guys that are probably front office guys that are sitting there going, "Hey, we're not that bad. Like our roster is not that bad, even as currently constructed, even without Mike Conley, we shouldn't be losing." to double digits to the friggin' nets at home on a Sunday afternoon, right? And so I do think he had this weird fascination with like Andrew Harrison and then he was playing Jarrell Martin and whatever. And I do think if, if J.B. Bickerstaff just comes in and he says, all right, I'm putting my best five guys out there, Tyreek Evans, Dylan Brooks, Chandler Parsons, Jamichael Green, Marcus Gasol, and then I bring... Mario Chalmers and James Ennis and uh, Brandon Wright and maybe Macklemore off the bench. And those are my nine guys that I'm rocking with until I get Conley back. 
Like they'll win their share of games. They just will. That's not a shitty lineup. It's just not. But the problem is, you know, you get like Andrew Harrison, who's got a net rating of minus a thousand and like he gets minutes and, 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 and Jarrell Martin and like he was just playing everybody, you know, and that ain't what you can do. You know, you get to searching, but that's not what you can do. But I wouldn't be surprised if, if JB Bickerstaff, I mean, the, here's a problem. They played the Spurs on Wednesday. They play the Spurs on Friday, and then they play a second half of a back-to-back against Cleveland where Fizdale's LeBron's boy, so LeBron will probably try to put, like, literally a 1,000 points on him. <laughs> like, it's going to be bad. And so I was like, <laughs> why don't you, if you were going to fire a guy, why don't you wait until after you get your ass kicked three more times, you know? <laughs> <laughs> then at least the optics are better. Oh, like, you know, yeah. like, poor JB Bickerstaff's gonna get thrown, he's gonna get thrown to the wolves. Um, oh man, not easy. All right, Kevin, we'll get right back to it. But first, a word from our sponsors. Don't be the guy that winds up parking 15 blocks from the arena. It's too cold out for that. Instead, request an Uber ride anytime with the Uber app. Uber is a safe and comfortable way to get to where you need to be. For sporting events, you won't have to pay for parking or spend time looking for a spot. And when the game's over, get picked up right at the front door. Grab a ride to your company's holiday party or a night out with friends and family. Or if you're late getting into the office, take an Uber and work from the car. Even book your Uber in advance for a truly stress-free experience. Install the Uber app today from the App Store or Google Play. New riders who use the code NBA Show will get five bucks off their first three rides. That's code NBA Show to get five bucks off your first three rides. Uber, the better way to get anywhere you have to be. New users only. Offer expires February 18th, 2018. Let's touch on a couple of uh, big picture things because by the time people get to listen to this, there'll already be uh, Tuesday night games going on. Uh, the Pistons won at Boston last night. I actually had this game on um, while I was working on some stuff last night. And you saw um, Tobias Harris was awesome. I, I mentioned to you earlier this year that it's, you know, he could, he could honestly make an all star team. And some guys, it's later in their career, they find the right fit or the right coach or whatever it may be, the right group of guys they're playing with. But Paris is having a great year. Um, and in the third quarter, Boston tied that game up. And I really thought it was going to be another one of those Brad Stevens second half specials because they have mauled people in the second half of games this year. Uh, so I was mega impressed with the Pistons being able to get that win. Are we, uh, are we ready to say the Pistons are something to be trifled with and, and maybe it could be a really hard outcome playoff time or no? I think, you know, we, we might've touched on this earlier in November. I, I forget if we did, but it's something I wrote about where it's like the question with Detroit, really all the data and all the film and everything about that team point to the point to them being for real. And it still does that. That was shown on Tuesday night. Like you said, I mean, Andre Drummond is a new player now. Really, my only question with them is, is at, at some point, does it regress? Does this Reggie Jackson fall back into bad habits? Does Andre Drummond go back to mo- what he was more last year than this season? If that happens, then no, they're not for real. But if this continues with what they are, man, they're really good. Andre Drummond is playing on a new level. So much energy on defense. 
on the boards. I mean, his improved free throw shooting seems to be for real. Reggie Jackson making smarter plays on offense, really buying into his role. Avery Bradley making such a significant difference on the defensive end of the floor while also doing what he does as a contributor on offense. I mean, that team's got a lot of good players, individual players that all fit together well. And Stan Van Gundy, good coach. I mean, I think they're for real. I think I don't know if they're going to finish top two in the Eastern Conference, but they, they're definitely going to be a top four seed, I think, in my opinion. They're for real. Yeah, and especially when you look and you've seen the success of the Celtics since the season started, and I see, uh, you know, I've seen the stat thrown around a lot, and I've read it quite a bit that, uh, you know, the, the, the margin in first halves is very, very low, possibly even a negative, uh, but they have just absolutely killed people in the second half and primarily the third quarter. So I thought, like I said, last night was just another one of those here. All right. Pistons were up, but now the Celtics got it tied and this is where they run off. And, and there the Pistons were just kept coming back, coming back, coming back. And, uh, I don't know, man, I kind of like them. I'm very surprised because God, they were a colossal disappointment last year, you know? (laughs) Man, they're, they're fun too. I mean, it's, they're a team where they got some players, you know, you mentioned Tobias Harris earlier, where they have a lot yeah. of guys that are kind of easy to root for. I think a lot of guys who, you know, have had some, some issues, whether it was in situations in the past or Drummond has difficulties, Reggie Jackson exiled from Oklahoma city. There's a, there's a lot of guys that I like to root for on that team. We haven't even mentioned Stanley Johnson. I mean, He's his he's def, his defense is terrific. His shot hasn't come yet. His offense overall hasn't. But he's another young player, only twenty one years old. Where it's like he could get better too. Maybe not this season, but entering year four of his career or year five, they have a lot of talent on that team. All right, should I apologize yet about the Rockets and Oklahoma City and how I leaned more towards Oklahoma City while you were all in on the Rockets, or should I let the thing play out? And then hope for a, a playoff matchup or something later down the road where they can meet up because it is it is rather clear that in terms of regular season success, this wait. is going to be radically different. Wait until the playoffs. Just wait until then. <laughs> when the one seed Rockets are facing the eight seed Thunder or something like that. <laughs> that would be wild if think, that were to happen. I do still think the Thunder will get it together. I do. You don't, do you? No, I mean, I think, you know, it's like I wrote about on Monday. I think it's, dude, I think it's ultimately up to what Russell Westbrook. I really do think it is. I mean, Melo has to make adjustments too. Um, I, I like some of the stuff that they run with Billy Donovan. I, th- I think there's potential there, but they need guys to buy in off the ball too. Um, I, I question maybe how sustainable their defense is. I mean, they're, I believe, second best defensive rating in the league so far this season. I wonder if that drops, maybe their offense improves and then they find themselves still somewhere in the middle. Um, there's just, there's a lot of questions with that team. It's not all on Westbrook, but he's ultimately the center of everything, right? I think he's the team that makes that go and can take it to an either, either higher level. So I hope they figure it out because you know what? If they do, Having those three guys, Westbrook, Carmelo Anthony, Paul George, they could be a real threat in the playoffs, right? If they do figure it out. So I, I hope they do, but I'm I'm skeptical just based on the fact that we're getting the same version of Russell Westbrook that we have in the past. Uh, I, if I'm you, Chris, I mean, just hold off, though. I mean, like I, I'd stand your ground with that team because there's a hell of a lot of talent on it. How weird is the Kawhi thing? Like, do we have 
any sense of when he is coming back. The Spurs have kept on rocking. They're 13 and seven without him. Obviously just got Parker back in the fold, but like, it's so bizarre to me. He is clearly one of the best five guys in the league. Michael Jordan called him the best two way player in the entire NBA. And I mean, I get like you're off the radar when you're injured, but with almost, I just, I can't remember something like this. And maybe I'm just, you know, not remembering, but you know, the, 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 the general mode of operation with the, with the player is you get hurt, you get your surgery or whatever it may be. You do your rehab and then you're back to playing, right? That's the way it works. And in this particular case, it's like, we don't really understand what's wrong with him. And we really don't know when, when we could see him again. It's strange, right? Or um, is it not? I, I mean, the Kawhi Leonard situation is kind of strange yeah. um, just because there's been so little clarity on what exactly is going on. But, you know, Popovich did say um, yesterday or earlier today or something like this, where I, I think it was Tony Parker said Kawhi is a couple weeks away. And then Popovich kind of disputed that report and just said he's close. Um, so we'll see. I mean, the Spurs are going to be fine, right? <laughs> they're they're still near the top of the Western Conference. Um, mm-hmm. The most important thing is that Kawhi gets back and he's healthy and he stays healthy. So if I'm San Antonio, it's like just as, take as long as it takes for Kawhi. Clippers had won three in a row. and But have they really? You saw Blake go down and get injured. Um, and it sounds like he's going to be out for a long time. He has been plagued with uh, injuries throughout his career. What do we do here? Do you think, I mean, they were already not having the season that some had expected you at the beginning of the year. Um, And they'd already lost. They lost Pat Bev for a time. They had lost Gallinari. Um, I mean, do you think they can even be okay without uh, Blake Griffin? Or do you think that this, now, especially without Paul on that team anymore, that they're just super dead without Griffin and that they're going to be a miserable team for two months. What do you think? Bad, bad, bad times are ahead for that team. <laughs> I, I think the Clippers are in serious, serious jeopardy of just falling off the rails um, over this period of time that Blake Griffin's out, two to three months um, with a sprained MCL. Uh, I, I, I'd be extremely concerned, you know, yes, they won three in a row, but those wins were against Atlanta, Sacramento and the Lakers. It required 42 points from Lou Williams to beat the Lakers. Uh, you know, you needed 33 from Blake to beat the Kings in the final minutes. And then you beat the Hawks. whoop de doo they, they are a team where you look at those three wins in a row. If anything, those are actually losses because your team's going to be near the bottom of the barrel without Blake. And that, that's the scary part because this team, you know, I, you, you said, should I apologize? You said earlier, should I apologize for Houston? Well, like I did last week or the week before, I, I was dead ass wrong about the Clippers. I, I focused too much on the upside with that team where if Blake's healthy, if Gallo's healthy, if Patrick Beverly's healthy. And you know what? All three of them have gotten hurt already. Beverly, uh, Beverly's out. Blake's out. Gallo, you know, hopefully he comes back soon. They're in trouble, man. They're in they're in real trouble. It's only and it, how long is it until you fire Doc Rivers? Either I mean, there's so much wrong with that team um, from a chemistry perspective. 
uh, your head coach. uh, uh, He is somebody who I think it's getting close to time to move on from. I I just feel like December or or January, that team is just due for a serious implosion. And and I, I, I'm, I'd be very nervous if I'm a Clippers fan, like our, like our producer, Isaac is, I'm sorry, Isaac, but it's, it's, it's a bad place to be. Yeah. Let me ask you one thing, Kevin, about the Doc Rivers thing, because you've been, you're not a huge fan of Doc, right? Um, no, used to be, and then he never changed. Yeah, that's what I mean, because you obviously were well aware and um, probably growing up where you did rooted for those old Celtics teams like the 08 Celtics and yep. Doc Rivers. Like, I really don't know if there is a guy that has an NBA championship that more people think is not a good coach. I'm not sure if there is. It's very strange, right? Like everybody's got these tremendous respect for Eric Spolstra and Rick Carlisle and Greg Popovich. And I'm trying to think how many, I mean, I don't even know how many guys in the NBA even have them anymore, right? Like (laughs) there's honestly not not very many with Ty Lue, right? He's got one now. That might be everybody, honestly, because D'Antoni didn't get one. Kerr, Kerr. People think Kerr's good, so Kerr's another one. You know, with Doc, there. this is like, I don't know if it's an aside. It actually kind of touches on exactly, you know, my issue with him. There's an ESPN quote the other day. I don't know if he said this in a media scrum or if he said it to just directed to the ESPN reporter, but it was just, I, I'm kind of just paraphrasing through this quote. It's a long a wall of text, but basically he's talking about Kyle Kuzma, right? And he's saying how it's a great example of scouting for the Lakers. And then he goes into, he gets really defensive and he's like, head coaches didn't get a chance to see Kuzma all the all season. I was at the Chicago pre-draft camp and he was sitting near Magic Johnson and Rob Palenka. And he said, they didn't see him all season either, right? Because they, they didn't have a job. And so he watches Kuzma. Kuzma went like seven for seven in game one of the scrimmages. He killed it. He was amazing. I, I, was, I was at that game too. Kuzma was unbelievable, right? And Doc Rivers said he uh, talked to some scouts after that game. And he's like, oh my God, this guy's amazing. And he said, quote, then all of the scouts, not only ours, we're like, no, you should have seen him in college because they had all this negative scouting stuff, so you dismiss it. I guarantee you that's what all those teams did. So he's, in other words, he's talking about all the teams that passed on Kuzma. And he's saying the Lakers were probably fortunate that their two guys didn't have all that baggage. They saw the positive stuff. That's the way the league works. I'm happy for him. And so the big takeaway from that for me is he's basically just throwing all his scouts under the bus and just saying Rob Rob Plank and Magic Johnson were lucky because everybody else saw too much of the guy. And, and, and it's just like, who says that? And then after the game yesterday, he's saying Lonzo Ball pushed somebody, a.k.a. his son, into Blake. No, he didn't. Don't say that before you watch the replay, man. Don't throw that out there. It's just there's been so many lies from Doc over the years. It's just frustrating. It's just really frustrating. I will defend him a little bit, just a little bit on the Kuzma take, because I do think that there is some reality in that, that there becomes a severe paralysis by analysis when it comes to draft picks. Uh, And this, and this uh is why so many become ageists, you know what I mean? In the sense that they don't want, they don't, they don't want the Draymond Greens and they don't want the, they don't, they don't, they don't want the Jay Crowders that, and they don't that, want the, that's a totally different thing, I think, older players. And they, no, I'm just saying, like, 
the more you pick apart guys, the more you see them, the more you see their warts rather than I saw this guy and my God, he was awesome. And the le- like it is almost sometimes the less you see of them because the more you watch them, the more you start to pick them apart. There's a there's a truth to that. that there is a truth to that. It can be, but it can work in reverse just, just as much. It can work just, just as much where you see a guy at first that you love and then you discover that he actually sucks when you see more. I mean, that can happen too. Oh, and for that can sure. Save no, your no, no, no. You're too. right. You're right. But I will tell you this. My opinion will only go down the more I watch Colin Sexton. I'm never watching him again and I'm going to draft him number one overall. <laughs> <laughs> Oh no, that, that, that dude at, no, the dude at Duke, Jesus. It's like, the, like over the weekend, he had like 65 points and 30 rebounds. Bagley the third. Marvin Bagley is a good example of a guy. And, and don't, don't take about what I'm about to say as like a, a serious knock on him, but he, he's unbelievable. He's going to be a top three pick in all likelihood. And he's going to be a really good NBA player for a hell of a long time. But he's a good example of a guy where you do have to watch everything. Because if you just watch the highlights, you're only going to see when he's hitting threes. You're only going to see when he's having nice finishes around the room. And that all matters a hell of a lot. And that's why he's a great prospect. But what also matters are the little things where he, he's bobbling passes or he's losing control of the, ball, of the ball, where he seems to not use his right hand at all. Oh. Those are serious things that he needs to work Shut on and get better up. at for him to reach Stop. a level. So, so the point is that you, make, you, you need to see as much as you possibly can or you miss those little details. No. That's all I think. With Bagley, he's going to be great, but he has some flaws that really I, need to be improved. All right, you've already watched him too much, Kev. <laughs> Maybe I have, but oh, watch out bother. for those hands. It, it, might, it might only be a matter of time where I, I put out a stat where I track all his shots and it's like 95% of his shots have come off his left hand because I'm pretty sure it's pretty high. I mean, he is a true natural lefty, Marvin Bagley. I don't give a shit how many times he bobbles the ball if he gets 35 and 15 against other he's awesome. play. He is a he's fresh. Awesome. Hey, if you're a freshman in college and you're dropping 35 and 15s, I don't care if your hands are a little small. Like I somehow you're getting 35, <laughs> you're getting 35 and 15. So you can shut the hell up with all that stuff. Like you're, hey, you are picking. Hey man, hey man. all I they, want is the best. All I want is the best <laughs> from him. That, that, that's like the whole perspective with Westbrook too. It's like, yes, Westbrook is already one of the best point guards in basketball. Yes, he already is, but it doesn't mean that he also can't get better as a player. No, but if this, he does this reminds me like after, after the Bagley, you know, ridiculous stuff over the weekend, and I'm giving you the numbers that he had against Texas and Florida. Now all of a sudden you get like this, like this, like you telling me like, oh, LeBron James kind of struggles going to his left, and LeBron James, like, <laughs> shut, up, shut up, man. Hey, <laughs> hey, guess what? <laughs> guess what? LeBron, LeBron turned an average trait, his jumper, into a strength, and now at in at 32 years old, LeBron has raised his game to the next level because he's somebody who didn't settle for being the greatest player of his generation. He wanted to raise his game to another level. And you know what? He seems to have done that with the jumper. Wait, it looks, did you it just looks say, for real. Did you just say LeBron James is 32? Yeah. The aging, decrepit, on the downside, Marcus All <laughs> is 32 also. <laughs> 
Yeah, but he's not a super freak like LBJ. Oh, okay. Like LeBron James. Yeah, right. Uh, I guess there's and, Le- and, all, and LeBron, LeBron also didn't have a major foot surgery on the Na- Navic LeBron uh, on his foot two years ago either. Uh, yeah, but like he's also played 650,000 games over the course uh, of the last... <laughs> You, you know, I think, I think there's a real argument to be made that we live in a simulation. I think there's also a real argument to be made that LeBron James is an android from the future. So uh, I, I wouldn't rule think, that out. I think that's probably so. Kevin, it's always my favorite time of the week. Thanks, brother. I'll talk to you next week. You too, Vernal. That was fun. All right, man. Kevin O'Connor from TheRinger.com. It's going to do it for today's NBA show. If you dig what you're hearing, go give us a rating and review on iTunes, and we will talk to you next week. Hey.